Welcome to the Life Plus God podcast. My name is Alyssa Robinson. I am your host. Probably know me. If not, it's nice to meet you. And I am here with Reverend Gracie Millard, one of our associate pastors at Treach Memorial United Methodist Church. Hey, Gracie. Hello. It's good so to be good here. to see you. Good to see you after that hour. <laughs> I know. I act like I haven't seen you in forever. We yeah. literally just had lunch yep. together. So. We love it. Big question today. Big question every time. I was going to say, how is that different from any other time <laughs> I'm sitting here? Today's question is one of those... Um, it is like the number one reason that I hear people walk away from the church mm-hmm. and why they reject Christianity, reject the whole idea of the faith, mm-hmm. uh, all based in this question. And the question is, why do I see so much hypocrisy in the church? Yeah. And it, it hits really hard because I feel like the natural answer is because we're human beings mm-hmm. and we mess up. Yeah, that's what everybody said at lunch. Like, why is this a podcast? Yeah, why <laughs> is this a whole episode? Because we're human. Yeah. But I, I kind of want to dig into it because, like I said, it is the number one reason. And mm-hmm. yes, we're human, but we're doing this over and over and over again and ostracizing people. And why does this keep happening? Why Mm -hmm. does hypocrisy keep happening? Why are we not learning from it Mm -hmm. and trying to improve? So (laughs) we're going to have a little bit of fun with this today. For the sake of the conversation, how Mm -hmm. do you want to define hypocrisy? How How are we navigating this? So I think generally we would agree that hypocrisy is when people hold others to this moral standard that they don't follow through with themselves. Um, That's the general definition that I think is pretty applicable to the church. Um, More directly for the church, I would say that it's uh, honoring God and maybe in word, but not in, in deed, mm-hmm. like that, you know, they're claiming all these things and saying we should all practice this or do this or that they believe this, but they don't actually live that out. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think that that is across the board. It could mean so many different things because I think that we've all seen scandals in the news of religious leaders who um, there's a sex scandal that comes out and they've been sexually abusing people in their congregation. Mm -hmm. Obviously that's extremely hypocritical, Mm -hmm. but even on a less criminal side of Mm -hmm. things of telling you to love all people, but then somehow there's exceptions to the rule for people who aren't living Mm -hmm. the life that you think is uh, godly or Mm -hmm. following scripture or whatever, however you define the way that life should be, I put in air quotes, should be lived. um, And yet you're preaching to love everyone Mm -hmm. and you reject the way that mm-hmm. people choose to live their lives or don't yeah. choose to live their lives right. if it's just the situation that they're in. Right. Um, what are some of the main examples of hypocrisy that you see regularly in the church that you think are just continuously pushing people away? Yeah, I think you've named 
most of the ones that I thought of immediately, which the biggest one I think is not actually welcoming all people and not actually uh, truly loving all people. Like we all claim that anybody is welcome, but once they walk in the doors, do they really, are they really welcome? Like we say we want people to come, anybody to come, but would we really be okay with anybody coming? Yeah. Um, or if and, you do come, yes, everybody's welcome, but once you walk their doors, conform. Right. But change, yeah. you have yeah. to change. Um, so I would say that's the biggest, most blatant example that I think frustrates people most about the church is that they weren't accepted and they claimed to be a loving group of people. Um, and I mean, I, <laughs> the next one is sadly sex scandals. It's mm. rampant, especially when that's uh, such a hot topic for a lot of churches that they preach against this sexual pure or they preach for this sexual purity. And then inevitably there's some sexual misconduct. And then you're like, <laughs> what <laughs> are you kidding me um but I even think one of the ones that I see often and I'm guilty of mm -hmm. working at a church is I'm constantly calling people to serve and to you know be missional and to do things outside of the church but am I hmm. not yep. not often because it feels like that's my job like mm -hmm. I'm the, I'm, I sometimes make the excuse of like, oh, well, my act of service to God is working for the church, mm -hmm. but I'm not doing things outside of my right. work hours right. to serve others. Yeah. Um, and so in that sense, I'm also a hypocrite. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, people in my life group would uh, attest to that epiphany I had a few weeks ago where um, it we had asked the question, what are what did you do to live out your faith this week? And I was thinking, OK, so outside of work. In my mind, just I was like, oh, my gosh, I binged I this show on Netflix. <laughs> I didn't do a single thing yeah. that wasn't part of my job. And that was that was a wake up call. Um, so I think it's, I mean, the list goes on of ways mm. that there's hypocrisy in the church, but I think the biggest one is the one we named first. And that's the one that drives the most people away. Yeah. Um, we claim to be a faith built on love mm -hmm. and yet we are the least loving and the most judgmental mm -hmm. people that you'll yeah. run into. Yeah. And this, this, might not be a fair question because I have not explored other religions enough mm -hmm. to uh, claim this, but I will say it feels like uh, Christians suffer more from hypocrisy mm -hmm. than any other religion. We just yeah. don't practice what we preach. And when I meet people of other faiths, it seems that they do. They do practice what they preach mm -hmm. and they're um, much more devout. And so why do you think that we are faith tradition? We just can't seem to get outside of that hypocrisy. Or am I just being naive because it's like what I'm constantly surrounded by? No, I mean, I think there's some element of truth to it that we are definitely uh, that as Christians, maybe it's just that the spotlight is on us. So it's just easier to see because there's more of us and we are uh, 
we get kind of the spotlight in the news because that's the majority of people yeah. this, you know, is accepted as the, you know, most people will know who, and you know what I'm trying to say of like, we're the, the societal standard, I guess. Yeah. Um, I guess it is like whatever is the main religion mm -hmm. of whatever country you're in is in power and the culture caters to you. Right. And so if you are looking at an Islamic nation, it maybe the hypocrisy is much more apparent right. than what we see here because Christianity is the dominating religion in the United States. Right. And so that's where my mind kind of went when I was looking at this question um, was thinking about, well, I think it's not, it's maybe just confirmation bias because we just see it so much. And that once anything is connected with power, power corrupts. Um, and <laughs> power's gonna, or humility, and uh, that's gonna have a hard time uh, competing with power. Um, power, once we can't deny that, you know, Christianity became associated like became locked in with the state back in with Constantine. And once it was associated with that, um, it exploded in popularity, but then it also was connected to government and power and authority. And so I think that when anything it has is connected to power, um, there's bound to be hypocrisy mm. and there's, it's just ripe for hypocrisy, especially when that's the almost exactly what Jesus was preaching as the good news. Like that's the opposite of what Jesus's good news was, was about the overturning of power and um, that the last shall be first and everything from the bottom. So um, I think the very fact that Christianity is in power is a hypocritical, maybe that's a bold statement, but is a hypocrite, an act of hypocrisy. Yeah. I don't know. Well, does that mean that if we are in the United States participating in the Christian faith, that we are automatically hypocrites hmm. because <laughs> because it's so comfortable to be a Christian here? Um, I don't know. I don't want to say that that just automatically makes you a hypocrite, but I think it's a lot easier to fall into because it's the societal standard mm -hmm. that whatever the societal... Um, whatever the societal standard is, is not necessarily what your religion, what the religion Christian, like the true religion is. Um, so, I mean, I would argue that it's not true Christianity to, um, that, you know, the American culture, Western culture is not necessarily true Christianity religion. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the values are, but we know that there's a lot of values that aren't and that have been kind of co-opted. Um, so I don't think the true way is hypocritical, but I think it's really easy to give in to and think that you are a true Christian. And I don't want to shame anybody because I do. I mean, we all <laughs> we're all guilty of it. And it's easy. It's just an easy trap to fall into. Mm. So. Mm. Well, when was, do you remember the first time you experienced hypocrisy in the church in a substantial way that uh, you, you kind of were like, ooh, 
<laughs> well, I don't know if you'll count this as as substantial, but it was the first time I kind of got frustrated and questioned like the people in charge um was growing up in a youth group um that the youth pastors just completely favored this one group of kids that were the quote unquote cool kids at school too. And it was very obvious that like, that's who they spent all their time with. That's who they uh, connected with and went out of their way to talk to. And the rest of us felt very <laughs> not welcome. You mean you weren't one of the cool kids? Alyssa. <laughs> 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 um, no. <laughs> and so I was like, I just remember being very confused thinking that church was supposed, I thought church was supposed to be a place where everybody was welcome and that everybody belonged. Um, and that was really disconcerting for me. Yeah. Um, I had a similar experience. My, Mine was a little weird because, like, in a sense, I was one of the cool kids. I was not <laughs> cool at all at school. I was okay. very introverted and quiet and had very few friends at school. Okay. But church was like a second home to me because mm -hmm. my mom worked at the church. Sure. And so I was basically like a staff kid. Mm. And so, like, I was treated very differently at church than I mm. was anywhere else. And it felt like my safe space. Sure. And so I was kind of like in the in crowd. Mm. But it wasn't, I don't know. Like, I think it probably was hurtful to some people from like who, who didn't feel like they had the same connection hmm. to the staff that I did to the sure. volunteers that I did. But like, sure. I was literally at the church four or five days a week. Right. Um, but I saw that I did see that. And it, it, was painful to see that there were kids that came into our youth group who they could be there for two hours and nobody spoke to mm. them. Mm -hmm. And um, I wish I could say I had the emotional maturity at the time right. so, to yeah. be the person who went up and talked to them. Sometimes I did, but most of the time, yeah. I just was like happy to be spending time with my friends and right. the people who made me feel loved. Yeah. So I guess like it would have been the adult's responsibility yeah. to include that kid. Right. But I'm, don't. Yeah. I hope you're not hearing me like I'm shaming anybody who didn't say I mean like that's in an I you know ideal world everybody would you know do notice people who were feeling yeah. out like outsiders all the time but like but what also I'm teenagers is, yeah. like I'm I I think anyone who grew up in the church saw that hmm. like they saw that happening I don't think that that's a unique experience yeah. I think that that's in every church especially in youth groups where it's mm -hmm. like ugh, middle school and high school is just a nightmare mm -hmm. and I wish it was different in the yeah. church and it's not it's like yeah. the same church is nothing more than a microcosm of the you know school. society yeah. that we're in in a different building. Right. Like, and right. we have to fight against that. And yeah. we're not always good at it. Right. Yeah. It's right. It's hard to replicate. I mean, to do exactly <laughs> that. It's hard to do that. And it's not comfortable. And so I, I'm just saying that was my first experience of yeah. it. Um, and, you know, I don't blame them like, 
you know, there nobody everybody's done it, you know. So it's I have grace for them. I'm I'm over it. <laughs> well, how how do you think at the time that affected your faith journey of witnessing that hypocrisy mm. and coming to that realization of something's not right here. Like this, this isn't, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. Mm. Um, I think, I think, I mean, I was probably angry, um, but more did you keep going? Yeah, but more than you... anything, I wanted that approval. I wanted mm -hmm. to be part of So I w would try to somehow, you know, it made me want to try more. Um, eventually, different youth pastors came in and everything, and that made the transition and the culture change. Um, but it made me want to go, like, it made me want to, like, win them over somehow. Um, but I know other, it definitely alienated a ton of people. Yeah. I know for sure. Because I know I had friends who didn't want to go anymore. Yeah. Um, well, but. and I think that that's part of the reason why, like, hypocrisy and judgment can be so painful for people. Because it's not something necessarily that you see the hypocrisy and you're like, well, I don't want to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. And you immediately walk away. For mm -hmm. maybe some it is. But I think for others, it's what you said of, like, I want to be accepted. I I want mm -hmm. that love that was promised to me that mm -hmm. you said. And so maybe I need to make an adjustment. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's something I can change so that I'll be accepted. Right. And you're just over and over and over again, putting yourself out there and being vulnerable with mm -hmm. a group of people who are just over and over again, rejecting you mm -hmm. and pushing you away and making you feel like an outsider. Yeah. And over time, it just creates these open wounds mm -hmm. um, that yeah. we, I mean, the healing from that experience could take a lifetime. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's like, it's very clear why people don't want to come back mm -hmm. a lot of the time. Mm-hmm from yeah. what they experience, so. Yeah. But th I think the key is like, it's usually not just once. Right, it's never, it's not just once. It, there's yeah. one point that pushes them over that's like, okay, I can't subject myself to this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we talked about this a little bit with your conversation with your life group, but uh, when have you caught yourself being a hypocrite? Yeah. Um, well, that was the most recent one. Uh, well, the most recent big one. I'm sure I've been You're a like, hypocrite well, yesterday. Since. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but also when uh, for a good portion of high school and college, um, I was I was a pretty big stickler for the rules and mm. for um, for obeying things pretty blindly and. Um, it made me I, I was very judgmental about people who uh, broke rules, who cheated on tests and who had parties on the weekends and drank in high school or drank before they were 21. I was so judgmental about that and um, just couldn't understand why people just couldn't follow the rules. And um, I was yeah, clearly I was not a cool kid. <laughs> Um, and I remember one of my small group leaders in high school, um, when I was airing these grievances and she, uh, kind of, sh uh, 
kind of rattled me that she was like, have you ever gone above the speed limit? And I was like, well, yeah. And she's like, so why, you know, is that any different from uh, that other people breaking laws or rules? And to be fair, I guess I thought that drinking and driving put more people in danger than putting than driving over the speed limit. Um, I rationalized that, but I got her point eventually of that. It was like, you can't really judge people when you're also choosing rules that you don't think are applicable to you. Um, but you're expecting other people to, uh, you know, obey all yeah. the laws. So for me, it, it's not. As much, I've never been a rule follower. So. <laughs> I'm so surprised. Yeah. Uh, I've never been much of a rule follower. Um, some rules I follow if I think it's a helpful rule. I'm like, oh, I see the benefit to society of sure. this. Yeah. Uh, but other things, I'm just like, who cares? Like, who cares? Yeah. I'm not hurting anybody. Like, this is a personal decision, whatever. But I think what I struggle with most is like giving grace to other people mm-hmm. be, and but expecting grace for myself because mm. I know my intentions. I know that I'm trying. Yeah. I know like all my motivations, all these things about myself. And sometimes I mess up, but I'm like, but it was an accident. Like give right. me grace. Yeah. But then for some reason, when other people mess up, I make up this story in my mind of like, well, they They're had ill so intentions. Careless. And, and yeah, like yeah. they don't even care. They um, don't think about anyone one but themselves right like it's it's just yeah I put all of this evil intention Uh on them of why they did what they did and yet I know for myself I don't have evil intentions like if I hurt somebody's feelings it's usually an accident and something that I need to learn from and I can improve upon like the way I communicate or whatever it is right but I don't give the same grace to other people that I give to myself and it's just constant over and over again especially with there are specific people people sure I'm like no I've seen you I've seen your true colors and I'm never going to trust you again Mm -hmm. I'm never going to like open myself up Mm -hmm. to be hurt by you again because I know you've got evil intentions Hmm. yeah no I remember somebody saying that to me in college um one of my roommates we were (laughs) having uh I can't remember we were talking about this one girl, oops, um, and she was saying that it's that she that this girl has uh, higher standards for others than she does for herself or that she has higher expectations of other people um, and more grace for herself than she does for other people and how it should be reversed. And I ended up discovering somewhere along the way that John Wesley says something about that of like, Always, always be willing to extend grace for others and uh, be hard on yourself, basically, was the gist of it. And I think that's a really helpful way to think about it. And that was one of kind of the definitions I um, wrote down of when you're asking to define hypocrisy is like somebody who has high standard, higher standards for other people than they do for themselves. Mm. So what so what does the Bible have to say about all of this? <laughs> <laughs> what I is, am so glad you asked. Yeah, what does the Bible tell us about hypocrisy? Ooh, um, so I m- 
just went to the New Testament. I didn't even check the Old Testament. Oops. Um, but I know the prophets have to talk about it. But Jesus in Matthew talks about hypocrites all the time. And it's always in reference to the Pharisees, um, which is really interesting. It's usually the passages that I kind of like. Will you kind of tell us who the Pharisees skip are over. For, yeah. for people who don't know? So the Pharisees. Asking for a friend here. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, so the Pharisees were the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders. So they were really well trained in the law. They read and interpreted uh, the Torah for other people. So they had this kind of um, unique uh, role that they were they were one of the few people who were able to read. And so they were able to read the Torah and then uh, which is the first five books of what we know as the Old Testament and interpret that mm-hmm. for uh, for all the Jewish people and that that was um, so the that people was, looked to them as like a yes, religious authority. Yes, yeah. um, especially since the temple used to be the defining characteristic for Jewish people. And then once the temple was destroyed, um, they needed something that and the diaspora and everything when they were spread out from from Israel and conquered by other I don't know lands. what that is either. <laughs> okay. Diaspora. It, was, it was when uh, <laughs> like Babylon conquered them and then they, uh, you know, they exiled them to, uh, they, exi- they took the people out of Israel, Babylon did, and made them move over like, and took them away from their land. And so then over the hundreds of years that Israel, the Israelite people were under foreign rule, um, they, a lot of, people stayed there. And so then what used to be a concentrated area of Jewish people is now spread out all over kind of, um, they're no longer in one place. So now they need a unit, something that unifies them and is a cultural identity. And so they make that the Torah. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like their whole cultural identity, religious identity is based not all of it, but I mean, it's concentrated in the Torah and that interpretation and the following those, those laws. And so Jesus has a few things to say to the Pharisees um, for how they've been uh, interpreting these laws and holding people to such high standards, but they themselves uh, aren't really practicing this or that. Um, Jesus really gets frustrated that they're um, they're doing things for other people's attention rather than for the spirit of the law, which is to worship God and to honor God. Um, so that he over and over again is like, you guys are so caught up in the details of like, you can't heal on the Sabbath, but yet it's okay for you to do this, that, or the other. Um, and he's like, you're missing the point. Um, but there's this passage in Matthew that's uh, almost the whole chapter 23, where Jesus calls them hypocrites six times. And he says, woe to you hypocrites, um, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. Um, and it's basically just him getting frustrated at them for um, for being showboats and being like, aren't I so holy and amazing and I follow all the laws and they want all this glory and honor. 
um, and they hold other people, but then they hold other people to these high standards. Um, Verse 13, he says, you shut people out of the kingdom of heaven. And yeah, he says, woe to you, Pharisees, you shut people out of the kingdom of heaven. You won't even enter yourselves and you won't allow the people who want to enter to do so. So he's like, you're not only misleading people, you're preventing people from actually knowing the heart of God. Um, So Jesus is really angry at them because it's not just that they're... uh, that they're like showboating and misinterpreting, but they're literally leading people away who are trying to do follow the spirit of the law and, and love God and love others. So these people are seeking God and being led astray um, Mm -hmm. to who God really is and Mm -hmm. how to be in relationship with God. And instead they're, they're, uh, met with judgment and a list of rules that, uh, is impossible, is to, impossible carry. to follow and that, yeah. the, that the Pharisees themselves don't really even carry, but it's, it's all that power that mm-hmm. they have, that the Pharisees have. And I think that's feels familiar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Reading Matthew 23, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like reading something about today's religious leaders. And I, you know, knowing the weight of authority that religious leaders have is so intimidating to me. And I, so I, you know, always hope that I will never do anything like this. Um, but I mean, in the, on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, you know, don't pray like the hypocrites because they go out and do it in the street corner and they're like, oh God, thank you for everything and look how holy I am, everybody. And Jesus says they get their own reward from people seeing them, but you need to go and pray in quiet. Um, Don't be like the people, don't be like the hypocrites who uh, are showy about their generosity, but you need to go and do that in private where nobody can see you. Um, so it seems like there's a lot going on about, um, the, about (laughs) ways that you can be a hypocrite apparently. So it's like doing things for other people's attention and not God's glory and, um, leading people away from God Mm. in the name of God. Um, But did they know they were leading people away from God? Because that's what I get confused by is like, we're so blind to our own hypocrisy. And like, if I'm thinking about these Pharisees and I'm extending grace, you know, Mm -hmm. like I said, I'm bad at. Right. And thinking, okay, did they actually, because we, I think of the Pharisees as like evil intentioned people. Right. Well, is that really, did they Which is not super fair. yeah, Yeah. Did they think that they were like following the rules is how you get to God and they were misleaded in some way because misled. (laughs) Okay. They were misled in some way um, because these Pharisees would have taught, been taught by someone Mm -hmm. else how to be in relationship with God. And Mm -hmm. so I'm guessing it's like generation after generation because you said it's hundreds of years of this developing Yeah, and they're just repeating what they've been taught. Right. And so like, Man, it yeah. No, I think how do we see our own hypocrisy? It's really hard. No, I think that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up because it's definitely like the author of Matthew is definitely trying to say something about religious leaders and how maybe how 
easy it can be to fall into hypocrisy. Um, so they definitely get a bad rap. And I fell into that by just how describing them but i mean he uses pretty right, he uses, rough language yes, he to does. describe them so i understand right seeing them as the enemy right you know? yes and so it definitely yes it's not for it jesus definitely uses that harsh language to that with them um at least as matthew records it be, but none of the other gospels record that much um but it's really, I think, more painted as a foil to this is what true discipleship would look like um, versus uh, that Jesus really, um, you know, didn't love the Pharisees. Um, I think Jesus, well, we can get into talking about <laughs> redeemability and all that. I mean, I believe everybody's redeemable. That's just a side. Um, so I don't, It's. I think Jesus is more making a point about religious leadership and um, how easy it is to fall into that because I think you're right. I think they're just doing what they had been taught. And maybe that what Jesus is saying is like, you need to be always questioning things. You need to always be, uh, asking why. And if this is, if always asking, is this going after the heart of God? Yeah. Um, I think what Jesus is trying to get us to do, everybody to do from, from, the ordinary Joes to the religious leaders is to be humble about take on a spirit of humility and wonder, am I, am I doing the thing that God is really calling me to do? Or is this really what God wants? Um, not just doing it because you're doing, you know, you've been well, taught and to it. And it is to, to have that spirit of humility, but then also, be a leader mm. of a church. Yeah. How, it, it almost seems like we're setting people up for failure because <laughs> people, I would say people who are naturally drawn mm -hmm. to becoming pastors, if it's not, if they haven't really done that self-examination, like you said, why am I really seeking the spirit of God? Mm -hmm. I think it's easy if you're a very charismatic person, mm -hmm. if you're someone that people are drawn to, mm -hmm. if you're someone that people want to listen to mm -hmm. because of that charisma, yeah. all of these things, you can fool yourself into thinking, oh, I'm a messenger of God right? because people want to hear what I have to say. Mm -hmm. And that, there's no humility in yeah. any of that. And yeah. so like we have all of these leaders in the church who it is a point of pride. Mm -hmm. And like you can tell by the way someone delivers a message on Sunday morning, like for me, I'm, I'm very, my, um, hackles are up at all times when I'm going to a new church. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very judgmental. I guess you could say, <laughs> um, um, hypocritical maybe, but I, I'm careful. Yeah. <laughs> cautious. Cautious. Um, yeah. yes. Cause I'm listening to like, okay, how are they delivering this message? Are they using speech powder patterns where they're trying to get emotional arise? Out of mm. emotional rise out of people. Sure. Are they using music in a way that it manipulates sure. the feeling of the room? Mm -hmm. Like, what is it that they're really trying to accomplish here? And what is it about? Because I have been in a lot of rooms where I know there is a specific pattern of speech that inspires mm -hmm. people no matter what you're saying. It yep. doesn't matter if yep. what you're saying has any depth to it. Yeah. 
if you say it in a certain way, yeah, people will fall for it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I, I don't, I do that too. <laughs> I always am the first time hearing anybody speak. I try to pick up on the genuineness of the message and how God centric it is versus um, how, like, if it's like touting themselves mm-hmm. or um, manipulating scripture or whatever. Um, I think that's okay to do. I think where it comes down to me is, are is the leader willing to be questioned? Is mm-hmm. the leader willing to maybe be wrong? And the leaders who don't, who don't allow questions, who don't allow themselves to be questioned or their authority to be questioned, I think are the ones to be watchful of. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you'd find that the true spiritual, the true leaders, the true people or the people that God truly calls into spiritual leadership, pastoral leadership are people who don't really, (laughs) who are really willing to be questioned and uh, willing to have conversations and who are not necessarily drawn to that role uh, in the first place, but are doing it because (laughs) God called them to. Mm -hmm. So just one girl's opinion. <laughs> Do you think that there are ways that we're hypocrites that we don't even realize? So like back to the question of are we blind to our own? Why mm-hmm. are we blind to our own hypocrisy? Like this might be an impossible question to answer, but like right. what are the daily things that we engage in that are hypocritical that we need to open our eyes to? Hmm. That is a hard question because it's a lot. Tell me the things that you don't see. (laughs) Right. Exactly. uh, (laughs) Holy Spirit, now's your time. Um, Yeah, I think it's, it's obviously hard to say what, what it is we're hypocritical about that we don't realize we are. Um, And since we live in a, we live in a society. it's I think it's impossible not to to be just completely 100% just like versus like participating in things that are unjust um like all the paper that we use like we sh- we don't really need to use all the paper but it's more convenient and it would be more expensive like I, th- I think that's one thing that I my brain always goes to is how we spend our church dollars. Is it more is are, is it a better are we better stewards of it if we use, if we buy things that are only fair trade and only responsibly made and, um, you know, zero emissions that are. But it's five or six times budget. more expensive. Yeah. Or is it are we to be better stewards by buying Stuff the least Walmart. expensive things, yeah. even though we know that the people who are making those are not getting livable wages. Mm-hmm. Um, so that to me is like the classic example is like, how, you can't really win either way. Well, and that one really hits home for this church because a few years ago uh, when Reverend Clay Horton was in your role, um, he made that attempt to switch us over because, you know, we have our coffee in the office in the morning. We have our snacks. We have all those things. And so he was trying to switch us over to all fair trade. Mm -hmm. 
and we had to stop doing it because it was too expensive. So it's, yeah. And there, it's just, it was heartbreaking that we couldn't afford to make that happen and say, oh, like, well, okay, is it better to just go without to not have coffee? Right. To not offer things to people. Right. Because is it better to like do the fair trade route and if you can't afford it, just don't do anything at all. Right. Like, I don't know. And I, when we, you know, think of all the ways that the world is unjust, um, it's impossible for us to live, to solve all of those problems. Yeah. Um, so I had to just let myself live because <laughs> otherwise you will, you would just crumple into a ball and be like, I can't, everything I do, my house was, you know, Mm -hmm. built with wood that was gotten from (laughs) like, you know, a farm that's not sustainable. Like there's nowhere that we're touching that didn't have some element of, um, unfairness. And so you have, I've had to resign myself to a point where it's like, I'm just going to do what I can and do my best, you know, Lord help us just truly like there's just <laughs> well, so it much feels like do. there are no right answers right no because any again yeah it's like everything any, you do hurts somebody in some way it, yeah nothing directly is free. or yeah. indirectly right yeah so I'm sorry <laughs> to take us down that really depressing I'm road so sad. <laughs> no I once watched in 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 seminary they showed us this video about how like most of the problems of the world are interconnected and I just left class like sobbing I was like I, there is no hope <laughs> what are we gonna do <laughs> thanks seminary yeah I was like really, and as I was driving my car I was like dang it I'm contributing to global warming as I drive home and drinking out of my plastic cup oh my gosh <laughs> and you know this clothes that I'm wearing are not fair trade fast fashion yeah. it was yeah so I don't want people to you know you have you have to live you have mm. to be able to live but we also are definitely called to action too well so. why so going back to the church mm-hmm. and hypocrisy within the church yeah this might be I don't think this is just my feeling so yeah. I'm just gonna generalize and say we're all feeling this way sure Why does it feel like there's a greater concentration of hypocrites in the church than anywhere else? Well, I guess kind of going back to something that we sort of were talking about before, um, just that we, as as Christians, we have this morality that um, we say we follow Mm -hmm. and we want other people to follow it too but the downside the downfall of that is that we have that (laughs) we're not able to do it perfectly and so it's really easy to say hey you're not doing that what you told me I have to do Mm -hmm. um and I'm not saying that, you know, I think we should be held accountable for our actions. Uh, but at the same time, we so it's that balance of how much grace can be shown. And after how much time, like, you know, Jesus says, forgive 70 times. seven. So always forgive. But also, I think that people who where there's 
where people get really frustrated is that, hey, you punished me for that when I did that. Like I suffered really bad consequences. Why aren't you having to suffer that too? That's or why are you know you get to do it in secret and I don't and mm -hmm. I have this guilt and shame. Um, so I I mean I th that's a, definitely a fair point to say like we should not be punishing people for their we should not be punishing and judging people for breaking the rules or well and it kind of is you know when you mention morality the truth is uh values and morality are subjective mm -hmm. that is a deeply personal thing yeah. but what we do as the christian church is we treat them as if they're objective right and we treat them as if these are like you said these are the rules to follow i don't care what your value system is whatever your value system is mine trumps yours right because mine is of god right and so it just carries this weight of judgment and it, it's what you said earlier of it's just this lack of humility mm -hmm. of like my way is the right way my way is the only way or the best way mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call it and anything else is less than mm -hmm. um when the truth is like there are value systems that are different from ours and still glorify god mm -hmm. and yeah. um we can't, but we just have this immediate judgment of like, if you're not living my way, the way I understand things should be, mm -hmm. then you're not living right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's that lack of humility for sure. And ironically is the whole thing, the whole morality that Jesus really teaches is mm -hmm. to always be humble, like humility above everything, you know, serve other people. Um, the one who serves is the greatest is what Jesus says, but somehow we get convoluted and flip and then say, that's, that's the one, that's the way. And if you don't do that, then you're bad. And mm -hmm. then instead of saying, being humble about your own, our own beliefs and yeah. Considering. Like this is something that's really worked for me and I feel a closeness to God from it. You yeah. might want to try it. Right. Or maybe there's a different way that right. you feel close to God that you could educate me on. Like right. that. Yeah. yeah. As opposed to being like authoritarian in yeah. the way you are to be in relationship with God. Right. What do you think is at the root of hypocrisy? Like, is it is it power? Uh control? Like what? I think it's, yeah, generally power, pride. Um, it's ego, maybe? Maybe ego. It's that, um, I think it's that, I, I, I mean, I, my, my gut was pride, but that's, mm. feels well, I like, am kind of landing on the thought of like the opposite of hypocrisy is humility mm -hmm. of like through this whole thing of like, if we're trying to be anti-hypocrite, mm -hmm. adopt a humble attitude. Mm -hmm. So that would make sense that like the root of humility would be, or the it's, root of hypocrisy would be pride. Right. Because if you're thinking that like holding other people to this higher, this standard and say, but I don't need to be held to that standard. It's like, why don't you like, mm -hmm. why aren't you, you know, or, um, I deserve grace, but other people, other people need some punishment. And it's like, that inability to see yourself as 
ever doing, maybe it's the inability to see yourself as doing something wrong or that you could be wrong. Um, so I think it's, I mean, that's my short answer. Mm. Maybe pride. arrogance. Arrogance is in there really? for sure. Yeah. And All then of the there's also, stuff. yeah, but also like <laughs> ignorance that like yeah. you don't, aren't aware. It's that, a lack of self-awareness yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That might be it. It's just, yeah. Because I don't think that anyone is like setting out to be a hypocrite. Yeah. Most, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Exactly. You do. It's something that I, pro, you're probably right that at, like something accidentally, you accidentally do that and you don't realize at, until later or never at all. Yeah. Um. That you're like, oh, wait, <laughs> I just did something I told other people they can't do. So what do you think that we can do? So we, we've talked a lot about um, hypocrisy can come from a lack of self-awareness. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're blind to it. Mm -hmm. We don't even realize that we're doing it. What can we do to avoid hypocrisy and live more humbly or honestly? Mm -hmm. what, are, what are some practical steps that we can take? Because... I think it's really difficult for us to see our own hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, very, I think very, I've heard very few people when we're reading the story of the Pharisees saying, oh, I relate to the Pharisee. It's like, oh yeah, I totally do that. <laughs> They're like, I know someone who has acted like this yes. Pharisee, but I don't hear a lot of people be like, oh yeah, that's me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I totally do that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I totally prevent people from coming to God. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So practical ways to practice humility. Um, well, I think you've already named one. I'm going to, okay. I'm going to recall of, um, asking yourself, why are you doing what you're doing? Hmm. And that's so yeah. like that introspection yeah. I think is really important of like a willingness to check yourself sure. and saying like, Hey, am I doing this to glorify God or glorify myself? Mm -hmm. Um, and to have to be honest with yourself because yeah. that's the hardest part. Is yeah. The being willing to be honest with yeah. yourself. I mean, it, a lot of it is just self discipline, um, which if you're like me, that's really, really hard. Um, so practicing humility will take a lot of introspection, but I think it's easier or it's, you can have that accountability from another person too mm -hmm. that you trust, which is, that is really hard because you then have somebody who's, and somebody who's actually going to hold you accountable versus somebody who's just going to be like, oh, like, yeah. Don't worry. I've, I've had that conversation with people before that I'm like, I want you to call me out. Mm -hmm. Like, if you see me doing this, mm -hmm. call me out on it. Like, I want to be better. Right. I want to do better. Um, that is kind of my personality type, too. So yeah. I it, that comes more. It's it's not something that scares me yeah. is to be held accountable. Um, I find it really helpful. It it removes the secrecy. Mm -hmm. And invites other people into your journey. Yeah. So, and that can be very humbling. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but it's a willingness to change and a willingness to be all that God calls us to be and a willingness to become more like God. Um, so it is hard, but it's I, I mean, I think it's necessary if, you know, some people are more. Uh, tend towards more humility as in like they start they're really critical of themselves um so there's 
you know, it depends on the personality type that you are. Because some people don't want to be questioned and other people only question themselves. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's me. Um, but um, so having somebody hold you accountable who is a loving, <laughs> it's a loving accountability, but a real accountability. Um, and that willingness to question yourself and to be questioned. Um, I think what, um, I mean, just praying to God and reminding yourself of who, you know, who's who here. And, um, that is, that's always been helpful for me is, um, to put myself in my place and God's place or put God in God's place. Um, I don't know, uh, considering other points of view and perspectives and exposing yourself to other, uh, other perspectives. Um, I think we have a really hard time. No, none of us want to be wrong and we are comfortable in, in the spaces and the things that we, um, take in content wise and people wise. Um, but when we allow for different perspectives that that helps that trains us to be open to new ideas and the possibility that we were wrong and maybe not even like that we were it it might really invite this whole new world a new way of understanding god mm -hmm. um but i mean it's it can be uncomfortable and i'm not and you know some things are triggering and not healthy to expose yourself to only but um just that willingness and sprinkling in the new people who are different and uh, different backgrounds and different, you know, news sources, that kind of stuff. Mm. So I don't know. So why is there so much hypocrisy in the church? <laughs> because people are people. Yeah. <laughs> we make mistakes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, All right. Well, I hope that this was helpful to everybody. or. Maybe it just made if, you mad. Maybe it was, yeah. It's either <laughs> cathartic or really frustrating. Yeah, like we're we're here to admit we are members of churches and we get it wrong and we're hypocrites and we're trying to do better. And feel free to call Gracie out on <laughs> <laughs> her bad behavior. <laughs> yeah, in a yeah. loving way. <laughs> No, also, um, yeah. I, I think I, I think it is helpful for people to hear uh, church members admit to the hypocrisy and mm -hmm. not pretend like it's not there. Right. Yes. That can be extremely harmful. For, for sure. It's like it's like the ultimate gaslighting oh, of yes. the church. No, of it like, is. No, we're not hypocrites. You're imagining it. No, like no, no, what's no, no, no. you need to yeah. yeah shape up. Like yeah. if you just changed the way you do things, people wouldn't treat you this way. <laughs> or like whatever. <laughs> Fill in the blank. Yeah. It's it's all nonsense and yeah we're hypocrites yes we get it wrong yeah hopefully you surround yourself with people who are trying to do better yeah um and that's that's all that's all we can do that's all we can do yeah all right thanks gracie for yet another episode <laughs> thanks for having me and i'll see you next time because we'll have you back okay great <laughs> <laughs>
The Life Plus God podcast is hosted, written, and produced by me, Alyssa Robinson, and sponsored by Treach Memorial United Methodist Church in Flower Mound, Texas. If you live in the Flower Mound area, I invite you to stop by and see if Treach could be your new church family. You can learn more about all of our programs and events at tmumc.org. And I hope to catch you next week for our next episode of the Life Plus God podcast.